So today, uh, I'm going to try to keep it short, so I'll keep you guys here all day, but um, my message is going to be about being a daily Christian. You know, what is it that God has truly called each one of us to do? Um, and we all have our own, you know, careers. We all do certain things in our lives. Uh, we don't all have to be pastors or missionaries or deacons or whatever it is. God hasn't called us all to the same thing, but God has called every one of us to do something for him. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. How can we, in our lives, as Christians, how can we live for God on a daily basis? What should we be doing to live for God on a daily basis? So I just want to make three quick points today about how to be a daily Christian, how to live for God on a daily basis. And whether, like I said, whether you're a pastor or a missionary or just uh, you know, a worker in the community, it doesn't matter. How can we live for God on a daily basis? How can we do what God has called us to do as Christians? So today, um, it's, like I said, I'm going to give you three quick points. I'll try to keep it short for you. But point number one, in order to be a daily Christian, we need to start each day with God. So the way we need to start each day is with prayer and reading our Bible. I mean, how else can we, as Christians, know what to do? How else can we know what God wants us to do each day, unless we start each day with God? I mean, how can we look past our monotonous lives, get up, go to work, or get up, run your errands, get up, do whatever it is? How can we look past that and see what God truly has for us on a daily basis, unless we start each day with God? And you do that by reading your Bible and praying. God speaks to us two different ways. It's through prayer and through reading your Bible. So how can we break the cycle without taking the time to see what God wants us to, to see? I mean, it's easy to get lost in your daily lives. Like I said, you get up, go to work, run your errands, you eat, go to sleep, get up, go to work. You know, it, it's easy to get lost in your daily lives. But in order to see what God wants us to see, we have to communicate with him. And we do that through his word that he has preserved for us and by praying to him. You know, the Bible and prayer and God are essential in our lives. I mean, the devil, however, he does such a great job trying to convince us that those things, reading your Bible every day, starting every day with prayer and your Bible, those are only for the super righteous, you know, for the, the missionaries or the pastors or whatever. You know, the, the devil likes to tell us that Oh, those aren't for, for me. I'm not supposed to be doing that as a Christian. Or he can convince you to say, oh, I'll, I'll do it later. I don't have time right now. I'll skip today. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, Satan is the great deceiver. You know, don't let him deceive you. If you ever feel in your heart that, oh, I'll put it off today, or you know, I'm not good enough for that, don't. that's Satan trying to convince you. He knows how powerful the word of God is. He knows how powerful prayer is. He's trying to convince you that it's not for you, or that you'll get to it later. Don't let him deceive you. And if you start each day with God, you can have like what Paul in the Bible or many other great Christians in this world have had. That's Christ in our daily lives. You know, in Ephesians 6, 11, it says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So I was, I was telling you, your pastor yesterday, I was in the army, and I think I told a couple of you guys, I was in the army for eight years, 
Do you ever think that when I was over in Iraq that I went out on a mission without my armor or without my equipment, without my rifle? No, I never did. I mean, why? You go out there, you start your mission, you don't have any of your stuff, and you become under attack. What good is your armor? What good is your weapon if you left it back in the barracks? So armor wouldn't do you any good if you decided to put it on later in the day. Just like the armor of God. When it says here in Ephesians 6, 11, to put on the whole armor of God, that you can stand against the devil. It wouldn't do you any good if you left it back home, if you didn't read your Bible or pray. So what if the devil attacked you before you had the opportunity to put your armor on? If you left your armor back home, you left the Bible back home, your prayer time back home, and you didn't do it for the day, and you were out running errands, it wouldn't do you much good if the devil decided to attack you. In Psalms 143.8, it says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. You know, a lot of times you hear you know, people say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It gets you going for the day. It gets you prepared for the day. Likewise, reading your Bible... And praying first thing in the day is essential for your Christian lives. It says you, and like I said in Psalm 143, it caused me to know where I should walk. How are we going to know where we should walk, who we should talk to, what we should say, how we should act, if we don't listen to what God wants for us every single day? In Romans 12, 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So starting each day with God is important because, one, it sets the tone for the day. Two, it prepares you for the situations you might face throughout the day. It helps you to really focus on what really matters, what eternal things matter, not what we get caught up on a daily basis, but what really matters for eternity. It'll help you feel refreshed. I know when I read my Bible sometimes when I'm discouraged or if I'm feeling down, it helps me to feel better. It helps me get refreshed for the day. It's like, you know, you hear people say, oh, I go out running, you know, two or three miles first thing in the morning. It makes me feel good. It gets me ready for the day. Reading your Bible can get you spiritually refreshed and ready for the day. And it'll also help you to grow spiritually, grow closer to God. So point number one is we need to start each day with God. Point number two is we need to go. You know, the Great Commission that's mentioned in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. It's something that we're supposed to do as believers. You know, Jesus tells us, Go ye therefore. And it wasn't, you know, Jesus you was know, God in the flesh here on earth, created everything. You know, the Bible talks about nothing was created that was created without him. I mean, he helped create everything. He literally owns us. He bought us with a price. If we are Christians, we belong to him. He's telling us. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. If you feel like it, if it's convenient, go. No, he says go into the world. Spread the gospel. You know, preach to all nations, to all people. So going is just as important as starting each day with God. If you read your Bible every day, but you don't do anything with it, what good is that? 
Us as Christians, our responsibility here on earth is to do what God tells us to do. Imagine the person that witnessed to you if they decided to take the day off or decided they didn't want to live for God. What if you never heard the gospel? Imagine what your eternity would be like, burning forever in hell. And we're denying other people that because we decide that I don't feel like doing it today. I don't feel like living the life that Christ has called me to live. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn to Psalms 126. I'll be reading verse 6. This is something that I read uh, the other day. I got something out of it I never had, and I, I think the Holy Spirit was telling me something. It says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So in this verse, God shows us the first step in soul winning is going forth. He that goeth forth. For a lot of people, that's the hardest part, is getting up and actually going and witnessing to someone. Or getting up and going to work. You know, the getting up and going part is the hardest part for a lot of people. But this verse continues with a whole bunch of other aspects that deal with soul winning or winning a person over to the Lord. And this verse talks about weeping. I don't think you actually have to cry when you're out soul winning. But what I think it really means is that we need to have compassion for the people that we're reaching. The people we're trying to spread the gospel to. We need to have compassion for them. Just like the person that witnessed each one of us had compassion for us. That's why they got up every day and they went out and lived for God. If you only go out soul winning or you know, witnessing to others, just to, okay, I got it done, I did, I did my part, check the box, you're probably not going to see that many people saved. And we need to have compassion to keep us going day after day. We need to have a burden for the people that we're trying to witness to, the people that are on their way to hell. I mean, people can usually tell when you genuinely care about the message you're preaching. Jesus was moved with compassion constantly when he saw the multitudes and the lost. You know, the next thing this verse tells us is that we need to bear the precious seed. We need to have the knowledge of what the Bible tells us. We need to know what to say to people to win them over to Christ. We need to know the word that we're sharing with others. And we have the most precious seed of all creation at our fingertips, literally the words of God. We should study the Bible to show ourselves proved. And the more of the Bible we know, the better we can share it with others. In Ephesians 6.15, it says, We need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I mean, you never know when you might run into someone that you need to share the gospel with. You might not have your Bible with you. And the Bible says believing comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. You might not have your Bible with you when you're witnessing someone. You should, have some you should have some verses memorized, always prepared, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to know what to tell someone in order to witness to them. You know, one of the great things about soul winning, or winning souls to Christ or telling someone about Jesus is that it brings rejoicing. If you go and you have compassion for the lost, and this verse tells us, we shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. 
Watching someone give their heart to Christ is one of the greatest things as Christians can witness. My wife, were out, my wife and I were out soul winning yesterday, and we met this young lady named Emily. And she was ready to hear the gospel before we even got there. It, it was one of those times where it was quite amazing to see. Uh, we got to her door. Actually, we went, went out soul winning. We were going down the street, and we were almost done. And hardly anyone came to the door that day, yesterday. And we prayed really quick, said, God, please lead us to someone. And it was two doors after that prayer, we met Emily. And almost a minute after we started talking to her, um, sharing the gospel with her, she started to cry. She's like, I've been wanting to know how to get closer to God. You know, there's been, you know, my life's been rough. You know, she's like, God's been clearing some bad people out of my lives, but I just didn't know how to get close to him. And we witnessed to her, and she got saved, and she was crying. She gave us a hug. It's one of the greatest things as Christians can see is someone give their heart to God. You know, hear the gospel and believe in Jesus and get saved. It should bring rejoicing. Make us come again with rejoicing. I want to do that again. I just saw someone get saved. That is so amazing. I want to go see someone else get saved. It should bring rejoicing to our souls to see someone get saved. And it should make you doubtless come again and tell someone else about the gospel. So Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto God, I saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. You know, lastly, the final part of this verse, it doesn't happen until after you die, but we get to bring our sheaves with us. You know, all the souls in our lifetime that we witness to and they get saved, they get to come with us to meet Christ. You know, many, many of us, I believe, will be saddened, including myself, will be saddened and ashamed when we get to heaven that we didn't do more. And when we see all of our works get burned, we have nothing to show for our lives. I think a lot of us will be saddened and ashamed about that. However, the more souls that we witness to, the more people that get saved because we spread the gospel, they will all be with us for eternity. It's like Emily yesterday I told her, even if I never see her again on this earth, we'll get to see each other forever in heaven. We get to bring those that we witness to, to heaven with us to meet Jesus. And there is no greater reward to than bring others with us to heaven. You know, Psalms 126, 6 here, you know, it says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I kind of read it like this. Go with compassion, bearing the gospel of salvation. Rejoice and do it again, and then take those that get saved to meet us with Christ. That's what I read when I read that verse the other day. I like to use Paul as an example. Paul, besides Jesus, is my favorite you know, person in the Bible. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.11, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. See, Paul was a soul winner because he knew what it meant for a soul to die unredeemed and to go to hell. We should stop and think once in a while about the people in our lives, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. Paul clearly knew that the people around him and even his own countrymen were dying and going to hell. 
a place of torment and suffering forever. It's a real place. Again, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 9. Give you a little insight of how Paul looked at life and uh, the people around him. Be reading verses 1 through 4. It says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenant, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. So here Paul is telling us that he would give his life, and even his eternal life, so that his brothers and sisters would see Christ. And he felt so strongly about soul winning and leading others to the Lord that he would literally give up his eternal life to see those around him get saved. I mean, how often have we thought so strongly about soul winning or reaching the lost that we thought to ourselves, I would trade my eternal salvation so that this person would get saved. And when is the last time we had that kind of conviction, that kind of burden in our lives to reach others? I mean, heaven and hell, we're all Christians here. Heaven and hell is real. There's people, almost every person you see every single day is on their way to hell. They're going to be there forever unless we decide to tell them about the gospel. We should have this kind of conviction in our lives that when we see someone, we should think, that person is more than likely on their way to hell. I need to tell them about Jesus. They, they probably, they might accept it, they might not. Our job is not to save people. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to tell them about Jesus, about the gospel, about the coming you know, doom, destruction in their lives. What, Judgment they will face if they don't get saved, if they don't believe in Jesus. Again, how many times have we told ourselves that we would literally give up our lives or even our eternal life to see those around us get saved? And this brings me to point number three. One, you're supposed to start each day with God to know what he has for our lives. Two, we need to go and tell someone else about Jesus. Three, we need to repeat this daily. You know, we need to get into the mindset of Paul and the Christians in the book of Acts. We need to look past our daily lives and see the world for what it truly is. It's a world that is dying and going to hell. I, did a, I had a thought the other day about how many people die every single day around the world. And it came down to about two people a second. About two people a second are dying. And according to the Bible, you know, it talks about few there be that find it. Most of those people that are dying are going to hell. Literally, right now, hell is a real place. People are dying and going to hell. So you think about it. Two people probably just went to hell. Two more people probably just went to hell. Two more people probably just went to hell. Every single second of every single day, those people are more than likely dying right now 
falling into hell. What are we doing as Christians? Are we doing our part to spread the gospel, to tell those around us? Like I said, you don't have to be a pastor or a missionary or some evangelist to be going out and doing some great and mighty works. God hasn't called everyone to be that, but he has called all of us Christians to be witnesses for him. So we need to look past our daily lives, see the world that's going to hell. Our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, most of the people you see every day are on their way to eternal fire and torment. And like I said, about every two seconds, every second, two people die and probably are on the way to hell. You're doing the first two steps, starting each day with God and going just every now and then, it just won't cut it. Us being Christians isn't the check-the-box type of life. The book of Acts is where the church really started, the early church, the Christians. They had an outlook on life that was truly amazing. If you ever read the book of Acts, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I, I love it. The Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for service as usual or soul winning as usual. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, the Bible tells us that they met daily. And it says, and they, continuing, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible tells us that they cared daily. And it says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Bible tells us that they won souls daily. It says, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible tells us that they, they searched the scriptures daily. And the Bible says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. In Acts chapter 16, verse 5, the Bible tells us that they increased in their number daily. The Bible says, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. See, their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality. It wasn't a once-a-week routine. I don't think that us in this new day and age have to come to church every single day. But what I believe this Bible is saying is, you know, they met daily, they cared daily, they won souls daily, they searched the scriptures daily, they increased in their number daily. It was a daily life these Christians were living. And I think us Christians nowadays should have the same look at life as these Christians in the book of Acts did. I mean, why do you think they had this outlook on life? I believe it's because they believe the risen Christ was a living reality to them. His resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. The Bible also tells us that we should take up our cross daily. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Bible talks a lot about doing things on a daily basis. Not once a week, not once a month, not every now and then. Daily. There's someone that you walk by every single day that you can talk to. Standing in line at the grocery store. 
at work, one of your neighbors. There's people all around us that are on their way to hell. On a daily basis, we should be trying to witness to someone. Here in the Bible talking about taking up your cross daily, what that means is that you focus on what God desires for you, opposed to living life as you please. God has a daily plan for your life. And as you talk to him daily, as you read your Bible daily, he will reveal it to you. You know, this is a call for choosing whether to accept his plan or to follow your own. When we take up our cross daily to follow Christ, we're actually dying to self. We're giving up our lives to live the life that Jesus came to give us. As believers, we no longer live for ourselves, or we shouldn't live for ourselves, but for Christ, the one who died for us, who paid for us. We need to keep repeating those last two points, going out, repeat it on a daily basis, start each day with God, and going out and doing it every single day. Start with God, go, and then repeat daily. I know we all think about soul winning or witnessing to others about Christ, but how often do we look at soul winning as being a chore? I got soul winning today. Rather than, I got to go tell someone about Jesus. How often do we think about it? something we just have to get out of the way? All of this should be a daily life that we Christians live. It is our job as Christians to be spreading the gospel to others. That is the commandment that God gave us, that Jesus gave us. And in closing, one, we need to start each day with God. We need to have our spirit renewed daily. We need to read our Bibles daily. We need to pray daily. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it tells us that our inward man is renewed day by day. We need to have our hearts softened daily. We need to live life for God and not for ourselves on a daily basis. And two, we need to go and serve God. We need to get out into the world and tell the lost about Jesus, about the gospel. In the ministry that we have, that, that we work in, there's a lot of other ministries like it. It's all about what Paul and other Christians have lived for, is spreading the gospel and helping others. We need to repeat on a daily basis Live the Christian life. Breathe it daily. We never know when the next kid in one of these homes or the next person you witness to will become a great leader for God, become a great pastor or a missionary, a great soul winner. We never know. We could pass up the opportunity when we decide not to tell someone about Jesus. We never know that next person we witness to will change the lives of many people. Some of these kids in our homes, like I said, we help them go to Bible college if they want to live for God. You know, if we didn't take the time to help these kids, to witness to them, you never know one of those next kids could be the leader of a great church, a great soul winner, a great evangelist. You never know the next person you speak to could give their lives to God and witness to others. It's exponential. You tell one person, that person tells two people, you tell two people, you know, it just keeps going and going. But if we never do our part, and we never spread the gospel, we never witness, that chain will stop. All of us can be great Christian leaders. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist to be a great Christian leader. All you have to do is follow these three simple steps. Start with God. Pray. Read your Bible. Go out. Tell someone about Jesus. And do it on a daily basis. Being a real Christian is a mindset. It's living with a Christ-like life. It's not an act. It's not a game. It's not something that you 
choose to do or don't do. You know, living a Christ-like life is a day-to-day mentality and not the check-the-box kind of religion. I encourage each of you to look at your daily lives, examine your own lives, and see if you are living a Christ-like life. Are you going out and witnessing to others? Are you going soul winning, spreading the gospel? Is everything in your life going to burn one day? Or are you investing in the things of God for eternal rewards? You know, missions is a great place to start. Your own communities is another good place to start. Your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever it is, just witness to someone. I want to thank you all again for having us here. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys are all really friendly. Thank you, Pastor, for having us here today. I'm going to go ahead and close with a prayer. Yeah, let's close your eyes. Dear Jesus, we thank you for having us here today. Thank you for letting us meet all these wonderful people and for meeting the pastor in this church. I pray, Lord, that they heard you speaking to them, not my own voice. I pray that someone will be convicted to go out and live a Christian life on a daily basis. Witness to someone. Do what you have commanded us to do. I pray, Lord, that you just watch over everyone as they go about their days. Please keep everyone safe and healthy. We thank you for everything that you've done for us and everything you've given us. And we thank you for offering us salvation. We thank you for making it easy and simple, free and permanent. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.